Okay, so Sundance this year is kind of amazing. Tell me about it. This was by far the most relaxed and, dare I say, successful Sundance we've ever had. Right. No jumping on a bus trying to make it to the next movie. No leg fidgeting because you really have to pee after a movie, but then, like, you really want to stay and listen to the Q&A. Maybe that's just me. Sundance has really thought of, like, everything this year. Hashtag Sundance at home is my new favorite way to film fest. I mean, we got to take our time, we made dinner, we got our drinks ready, and then we started the film at our leisure within a specific window. But once we started the movie, Sundance actually gave us a three-hour window to finish it. So if we had to pee, just hit pause. Need to make a special note? Pause. Look up that hot actor? Hit that pause button. And most importantly, if needed to refill your drink, just hit that pause button. Oh, we definitely hit it to refill (laughs) drinks. And, you know, don't get me wrong. There are advantages to starting a film on time. Like, they start the Q&A directly after the premiere. So if you actually join the live version, you can actually ask questions in their live chat. You know, if you also have your laptop on you, which is super nice. But for the most part, these these time windows that Kaylee was talking about, they were so nice to have that cushion. Sadly, in other years, we miss a lot of special events like opening night, artist corners, director roundtables, things like that, mainly because it just doesn't fit in our movie schedule. You know, we try to slam in as much as we can, but, you know, we also have to, like, eat and rest (laughs) and look up, you know, make these reviews for you and things like that. But this time around, you know, we got to sit and watch the opening night with the brand new director and then we started our movie and it just felt so seamless we had you know in any time i'm gonna have like an hour between these movies i'm just gonna be able to pop in and visit these q a's and these forums where you'd usually have to like drive into town and try to get a seat and they'd usually be sold out and so it was just so refreshing oh i i totally agree and For me, because I've only been going to Sundance now with you for what was this our fourth year? Sounds Um, right. (laughs) You know, I haven't even got a chance to experience those other aspects because we are always rushing from one film to the other to the other. Um, And also, very pleasantly this year, and full disclosure, we were invited as full press, which was really nice. And it changed the experience as well because. We got access to the all the films that we may not have otherwise seen because they would have been sold out. And it was really exciting uh, and exciting to be able to share our thoughts on these films that are getting picked up and already having buzz with you guys, our audience. Uh, it just made everything that much more memorable. And I just loved not fighting for tickets or standing in cold, snowy lines for for anything. (laughs) Now, there were actually six premieres on opening night six. Uh, So we flipped a coin. Actually, no, it was actually really easy for us to pick. We chose Coda. Uh, This was written and directed by Sean Heater. And uh, well, I mean, look at us getting ahead of ourselves. She's Tuesday. I'm Kaylee. Sit back, relax, get cozy on your couch because this is Whiskey and Popcorn.
All right, so like I was saying, Coda is the first film we saw at Sundance 2021. It's about Ruby, a Coda, which stands for Child of Deaf Adults. And she's a senior in high school in this small fishing town in Massachusetts. And a little bit of backstory here. This film is actually an American remake of an award-winning 2014 French film called La Famille Bellier. And that's where the story originally came from. It was obviously adapted for uh, American audiences, American sign language audiences, English-speaking audiences. Um, and Coda actually won Sennett's top audience and grand jury awards. And it set a festival record by getting sold to Apple for a whopping $25 million. Insert claps here. <laughs> It's just amazing. But let's get back to the story. So similar to the other seniors uh, at her school, Ruby has a lot of responsibilities, but it's not necessarily the ones you would expect. Like she has to get up early and help on her father and brother's fishing boat. Uh, she haggles for fair prices at the auction house uh, when they finish their morning catch. Uh, she interprets her parents' medical appointments. All of this is going on while she's also a full-time high school student and figuring out who she is independent of her family. That senior year is so pivotal and, you know, small town, like, are you going to fly from the nest? Are you going to stay and kind of carry on the family business? Right. And we, I know we both remember being in high school in senior year and it's about applying to colleges and visiting them and, and more about the next steps and not quite as much about you know, day-to-day -day classes senior year. And, you know, despite growing up in what you would say, quote unquote, is a quiet home, but let's be honest, I have plenty of deaf friends and they are anything but quiet. <laughs> and, you know, despite this, she has a very, very deep love for music. And she goes out on this leap, call it just senior year-itis or going out on a limb, but she joins the choir. Her teacher, Mr. Villelobos, uh, who is played by the amazing Yu-Gi-Oh! Diabel, catches her unique talent and convinces her to audition for what we know as the prestigious Berkeley College of Music. And as many stories go, you know, as she's starting to make a way for herself, the demands at home become increasingly needed. And it makes Ruby ultimately have to decide between her family and what her dreams are. This film is just a very unique coming of age story. It's set with a family that I f most audiences don't really get to see unless you already are seeking out uh, deaf films or films that have deaf actors in them. But what I loved about this particular movie about Coda is that it doesn't glorify or overly state the fact that the family is deaf. They just felt like a very normal family. They had their quirks. Uh, they had their fights. Uh, there was a lot of love between all of them. It just felt very different from the very few other deaf films or even TV shows that I've seen where it's typically this lead character loses their hearing and they have to learn how to be deaf, uh, which has its own place yes but this this felt a lot more just so I say like natural it, it was a very like happy 
intimate yet relatable story. Yeah, and that was so refreshing for it to just be a normal story. You know, the it was cleverly comedic when it needed to be, and it was deep and emotional at other times. Now, don't get me wrong, sure. I'm sure people listening to this will say, oh, it's, so it's just a coming-of-age movie. Yeah, it's a coming-of-age flick that follows a certain formula, but it never comes off as, like, a trope mm. whatsoever. It has all the right things to be a crowd-pleaser, but my word for it was precious. It has all the works of a Hallmark movie, only it actually has depth and warmth and amazing acting and a lot of authenticity to it. So it would be like if Hallmark got a facelift, maybe. <laughs> um, but um, one huge thing for me, especially with, you know, spending seven years of my life learning ASL and getting certified, it's just a really big clap to employing deaf actors to play deaf characters, you know, making sign language at least 50% of the language used throughout this film. It is so refreshing, especially in a time when we see things like music, the new Sia movie that's building up so much controversy because they allowed a neurotypical actor, while she did need to be a dancer, they hired a neurotypical actor to play a child with autism. And we've discussed this in the past a lot where it's like, no, there are paraplegic actors that could have played this or there are deaf actors that could have played this. And for once, I feel like we're not discussing that. Yeah, yeah. It hit the right, um, I guess you could say, tone, um, the correct representation, which is so important. It's something that you and I always harp on Tuesday, which it does make me a little bit laugh. The two whitest white girls <laughs> sitting here harping like, we need more diversity, but it's true. And I feel like, despite the fact that we're just two white women, like we are hungry for these films. We watch a lot of movies and you know me Tuesday. I'm constantly watching foreign stuff, be it foreign movies or my K-dramas <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Uh, and I, I just ate this film up. It was, it was better than I thought it would be. I really entered the film with just regular expectations, but I was really charmed by like you said precious and my word be like charmed and delighted and like I said I'm just going back to that whole the humor and the the family dynamics felt so authentic and so real like I felt like I was invited to be a part of their family yeah absolutely and going back on that that concept of quiet you know I don't want to I don't want that to be misconstrued in any way you know if anything the movie really dispels the myth that deaf people can't enjoy music there is one moment when Ruby's mother played by Marley Matlin kind of says well if you know it, if I was blind would you care about painting this wall a different color and so they, they kind of push that idea on it of like, well, why would you want to sing when I can't hear it? Mm -hmm. But on the same note, it also talks about the fact that like, they just experience it differently. It's not yeah. a wrong way, but it's just differently. And I thought that that was really beautiful. Yeah. Well, I love there's the great scene where her dad rolls up in his pickup truck and he's blasting gangster rap. 
of course, you know, he likes it because he likes the beat and the bass because uh, you can feel it. Um, so he enjoys that music. But Ruby is so embarrassed because it's like all these inappropriate lyrics. And, you know, it's a small town. So everybody knows everybody's like, what are you doing listening to this music? And why is it so loud? And she like turns it down. He's like, don't turn. I'm listening to that. Or, you know, I'm enjoying that. <laughs> turns it back up it was just it's moments like that where she you know she really felt like a real teenager again it was not patronizing the the deaf community in any way and I think it it attests to the fact that they had the deaf actors on set and all the you know the assistants and backup people there to you know just like script translators everything that came together they really did their homework and brought on the right talent now, Amelia Jones, who plays Ruby, you know a bit about her background, right? Yeah, she's really interesting. I mean, f- fans of uh, Doctor Who might recognize her. She played in a few episodes of that, but she's 18 years old, a British actress. Uh, what's interesting about her is that she has no formal training in ASL or singing, and she had to learn both before filming, at least to the level of that she could be comfortable on camera with it. Damn. And I I was super impressed because you also have to think about, she had to learn sort of like a Northeastern American accent on top of all the rest of that. And she was just so authentic and real. Um, I mean, these British actors are always blowing my mind. Anyways, like the, the, Whatever it is that they do in their theater training and film training schools, like they are so on point. Um, but yeah, I I was super impressed by how well she took to the role, and I sat there throughout the movie going, "Gosh, I wonder if she actually does sign, if she's fluent, but she's not." So I, yeah, and from someone who is, she was damn good. Um, and to know that she was British on top of that, you know, like I have, I have, I guess what you would say issues with really good actors, because for example, I watched house for like six seasons before I ever heard that man do an interview. And I was like, you have an accent. Like I, I am so offended. I thought that we went through these six seasons together and became so close and you never told me you had an accent. Like it just adds that like, pile on of like wow you really are a good actor because I had no idea <laughs> I yeah it's just they gelled so well together and like the chemistry she had with uh you know all the deaf actors but especially Troy Coster who played the father and then uh Marley Matlin who played her mother uh it just felt very I just keep going back I felt very real yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I can only sing praises for this movie. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one, in our Sundance preview, we completely butchered Sean Heater's name. So apologies for that. Two, um, you may actually recognize her because she did do writing and story editing for Orange is the New Black. And her previous film, Tallulah, which starred the very attractive Elliot Page and (laughs) Uzo Aduba, which premiered at 20, the 2016 Sundance film festival. So, you know, I, I think 
a lot of people at Sundance were really waiting to see what her next thing was. But so far, it looks like, you know, Peters had really good luck um, in the Sundance film circuit. And this was nothing short of amazing to come back with. As of the festival ending, Coda won U.S. Grand Jury Prize in the area of dramatic. It won directing award in the area of U.S. dramatic. It won U.S. Dramatic Special Jury Award Ensemble Cast and the Audience Award U.S. Dramatic presented by Acura. Which is just amazing. That is what? One, two, three, four awards uh, for this very deserving film. And Apple picked it up, Apple TV, and they don't have an exact release date yet. Um, Everything that I've read so far says that it'll be released later this year. But definitely keep your eyes out for it because Coda is going to be one of these films that's just going to stick with you. And honestly, I want to watch it again. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely something that you can watch again. It's not so deep and emotional. And, you know, it's it's just enough fun um, where I feel like I could even I could even catch things that I didn't the first Mm -hmm. time around. Well, especially with you being fluent in ASL, like you might even catch things with the, the signs that you know, others may have missed too, or that you missed the first time around, which is really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time to pour a drink to this amazing accolade studded movie. Yeah. What a great way to start Sundance. (laughs) So I decided to go with something a little bit nautical to kind of go with the uh, fishing village trope vibe that they they have here. And so I picked a drink called Fat Sailor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, Basically, it's served in an old-fashioned glass, but it calls for Bacardi Gold Rum and then something called Navy Rum, which is like uh, 54.5% alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) It's only uh, three quarters of a fluid ounce of that stuff. (laughs) It's super strong. Uh, Pour some hair on your chest. And then um, coffee liqueur. Uh, lime juice, freshly squeezed, please. And then lime cordial, which is basically just sweetened lime juice. And then you mix it all together with ice straight through a, uh, a sieve and serve in the glass with a lime wedge. And it just sounds delightful as well as like a punch in the teeth. <laughs> See, and I went for the same nautical theme, but I went on the refreshing side. <laughs> I did Jerry Loves Ginger. Mm. So it is served in a highball glass, and you're going to have uh, Sailor Jerry spiced rum and ginger beer. If you're feeling fancy, you can actually stab a bit of that ginger and top it off with that as well. Um, I've been having a lot of tea lately, so it just sounded super refreshing and like maybe I'm at least getting some good vitamins while I drink this. (laughs) Just trying to drink away the guilt. There you go. Let's try that. (sighs) Well, that is it for this review. Make sure you don't miss a beat and sign up with us on your favorite podcasting platform. I see what you did there. (laughs) Also make sure to favorite us on Facebook and Instagram. We're also reviving our poor Twitter page. Look for us at whiskey, the letter N, 
popcorn whiskey and popcorn bookmark our website whiskeyandpopcorn.org we have a brand new page called what we're watching because all of you guys keep asking us so we might as well write it down she's kaylee i'm tuesday and you've been savoring whiskey and popcorn